are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome everybody into the finale of the Ultimate Crossover Series here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, we've got a great conversation this week going over each team. I am Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams and joined by Brian Peacock of Lockdown 49ers, Corbin Smith of Lockdown Seahawks, and Bo Brock of Lockdown Cardinals. Today, the Valentine's Day edition, it's going to be full of some love as we look at who do you love in the NFC West. We're also going to talk about who do you love on your schedule in 2020, as well as who do you love on your roster, your team, or maybe even a position group or someone you want to go after in this offseason. So we're going to have a great conversation uh, covering all those things. Don't forget, guys, you can find all of our shows on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. Hit the subscribe button, share with a friend, leave a five-star review if you're feeling cheeky. We appreciate your feedback and always love hearing from you guys. So uh, with that, let's just roll into this. We went over all of our teams so far in the NFC West, or as Brian says, the NFC Best. I think we both, or all of us agree here, uh, that the NFC West has made leaps and bounds and strides to be one of the best out there. Uh, but as we look at this, it's got to go one through four at some point at the end of the year. Uh, let's start reverse order because uh, Brian Peacock, obviously NFC, not only NFC West champs, but NFC division champs. We'll start on the bottom, work our way up. We'll start with Bo Brock. Your thoughts on this NFC West? Where do the Cardinals shake out? And maybe give a rundown of how you see this thing playing out one through four. The Cardinals, they're just the team that wants to join in on the party. The rest of the teams that are having all this fun and finishing over 500 and, you know, obviously representing the NFC in the Super Bowl the last two seasons. The Rams obviously looking to turn things around and get back to the playoffs in 2020. And then the Seahawks and Niners were just there, and the Niners taking it to the Super Bowl after a four-win team in 2019 or 18. The Cardinals just want to join the party. They want to get their team back to that competitive spot where they were with Bruce Syrians for so many seasons, three straight years of double-digit wins, the NFC Championship appearance in 2015, and then things just kind of started to go awry. 500-year another sub 500 year. And then you've got the team just completely falling off a cliff and just three wins in 2018. But I think that, you know, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, it's a good starting point, but this team in this off season, they have so much to figure out and so many holes to fill as far as the idea of winning the division. Let's put that on hold and just continue to start to be competitive, keep to be competitive with these other NFC West teams and they can have it for one more year, and then maybe the Cardinals in 2021, then they can have those lofty goals uh, going forward. Well, I'll put you on the spot here. So it sounds like you got your uh, Cardinals still in fourth place. How do you see one, two, three going? It's tough to get away with what the Niners did. I know they had some close wins, but as far as the best roster in this division, I think that you can easily say that the Niners are poised to return to the top of the NFC West in 2020, barring any you know bad injuries or mistakes made this offseason I'll go with the Niners at the top and then I'll have the Rams rebounding and being the second team in this division just because I I think there's too much talent on this roster for them to be you know outside of the playoff picture looking in and the Seahawks as long as you've got Russell Wilson I think you're always in the conversation they've got some work to do they've got some big time decisions to make this offseason probably the most whole filled roster out of the other two teams we mentioned I think the the Seahawks are going to be your third team 
And then the, the Cardinals are going to start to make some noise in 2020, but I still don't think that they've hurdled any of those other three teams. Yeah, this is tough, and, and I'll take on next here as the Rams place third, and we'll go reverse order here uh, looking at the division, and it's a really good one. And and the Rams, you know, 2017, 2018 win the division back-to-back years, and even 2018 sweep the division. All things look good. You know, you go to the Super Bowl, you come back, and all of a sudden you miss the playoffs. And, and the question is, there's that Super Bowl hangover, then there's the you didn't make the playoffs hangover. How are the Rams going to bounce back from that? Uh, Bo, you mentioned they've got a lot of talent. Will they be able to keep some of that talent as you're looking at a few of the free agents? And how are they going to fill uh, this roster through the draft where they don't have a lot of premium draft picks unless needs been known in the last handful of years of trade back collect? Uh, and they've hit on third round picks left and right. Cooper Cup, you're looking at John Johnson uh, and even this last year getting a couple linemen to kind of fill in and kind of close the season. So uh, that's going to be important for the Rams. But as I see this thing shake out, it, it is so hard to put a prediction on this. Uh, I think I still have to tilt towards as much as I am a homer and I want to put the Rams right up there. I still think they have some work to do on their consistency. That's my big issue. You probably heard me preach on all week here. Uh, for the Rams is finding that consistency. Until they do that, I don't know if they can go back and win this division. I think I put the 49ers up at top uh, with the talent that they have, the running game that they had, the defense that they had, uh, the coaching staff sounding like it's going to be sticking together. Robert Sala, if he ends up staying there, I think it's going to be huge for that team. Uh, So I got them in front. Uh, Then I can safely now put my Rams in second place, making the playoffs. But I think this is going to be a division where we saw this year, three teams almost made the playoffs. I think the Seahawks come in uh, right there at third. I think it's going to be close between. I really want to bump the uh, Cardinals up there, but I, I just don't know if I'm ready to do it this year. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals come in in that third place. But I still got the Seahawks there and expectations of three teams representing in the playoffs. Uh, we saw very close this last season, and that's the way I see it shake out. Niners, Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals. But those last two, if it, if it flips... Uh, it wouldn't be too shocked. So we'll go on next to uh, Corbin Smith, as I probably got you nice and fired up saying that you may come in fourth uh, with a with a coin toss there. But I'll let you go on and talk to what you think. And who do you love in the NFC West? Well, I tell you, the Seahawks are the team, to me, of the four teams in the NFC West. It might be the toughest to pinpoint where they're going to be at because they have so much cap space to work with. They have eight draft picks. They have a really good chance if they're able to take advantage of that financial flexibility and that draft capital. If they can add some marquee talent to their roster, get some young players that can contribute right away, this is a team that I believe has been ahead of schedule the last two years. And I mentioned this on an earlier show this week. They were getting projected to win four or five games in 2018 when they dismantled most of that defense. They got rid of some key offensive players, and yet they won 10 games, got a wild card. They won 11 games this year, got a wild card. Even with a bunch of injuries, they were able to hang tough in the playoffs, almost advanced the NFC Championship game. They were really close to winning the NFC West. Who knows how the playoffs play out if the Seahawks are able to uh, get a home field advantage for at least one game in the postseason. We might be having a different discussion. I think the Seahawks are going to find a way to get a couple big-time pass rushers to bolster that defense. I think they're going to add another receiver through the draft to go with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They're going to have a really good trio of receivers. If Chris Carson and Rashad Penny come back healthy, those running backs are going to give the Seahawks a ton of balance on offense. As long as Russell Wilson is under center, 
This is a team that is going to have a title window that's open, and I think they have the opportunity to push this roster to the top of the NFC West. It's going to be a dogfight between all of these teams, but I think the Seahawks are going to find a way to win the division in 2020. They're going to get the pieces that Russell Wilson wants around him, and then I'm going to have, this is going to be my shocker here, I have the Rams getting second place in the division and the 49ers finishing third. I think all three teams win 10-plus games. That's how good this division is. I think Arizona goes 7-9, and nine, and they might be the best seven-win team that we have seen in quite some time. That's how much respect I have for this division. Maybe those records are going to be inflated compared to what I'm predicting because they're beating up on each other, but I, I think the prediction of three playoff teams from this division is very realistic. It almost happened this year, and I think the Rams are poised to bounce back a bit. The 49ers are still going to be very good. It's just going to be really tough to get to the top of this division again, given how talented the other teams are. To me, the X factor, the ultimate decider here is Russell Wilson carrying this football team. I think they end their drought and win the NFC West. Wow. Ryan, bring it home for us. Yeah, I don't know if my listeners are still tuned in after hearing Corbin's prediction there, uh, but uh, I do agree with Corbin. <laughs> On one thing, I think the floor is definitely going to be raised in the NFC West, and that makes things really difficult to predict because I think all four teams will be very competitive all year long in 2020. I still have the 49ers at the top of the division. Uh, no Super Bowl hangover will be the key for them if, if mentally they can get through the difficulty of losing a Super Bowl. But uh, one of the keys that nobody's really talking about is Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think he's done developing in Kyle Shanahan's offense and I think that's where the high-end potential is with the 49ers I think they'll still be very good on the defensive side of the ball Kyle Shanahan's team just like his dad's teams are always going to be able to run the football but Jimmy Garoppolo has only he's had less starts than guys like Baker Mayfield have had in their career so he's still in basically year two mode of his starting career in the NFL and he hasn't had a lot of reps with Kyle Shanahan. This was his first full year as a starter with an offseason and regular season amount of reps. He didn't have reps after his ACL injury last year. He only showed up in uh, October of 2017 to the 49ers. So he's only in year two as far as being a full starter in 2020. And hopefully he does get a full season of starts and doesn't get hurt or anything like that. And we saw what someone like Matt Ryan did in his second full season under Kyle Shanahan. And I don't know if it'll be that sort of a jump for a 28-year-old quarterback, but we've seen veterans get a lot better in year two under Kyle Shanahan. So I do expect still some development with Jimmy Garoppolo, just being more comfortable as a starter, more comfortable in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I like the Niners to win the division. Uh, in second place, Pete and Russ just aren't going to go away. So I have the Seahawks finishing second again. Uh, they do have a chance to improve some deficiencies on their roster with the cap space and a bunch of draft picks. And so I expect the Seahawks to be right there again next year. And then in third place, I have the Arizona Cardinals. They're probably a year away from Ooh. the playoffs, but they need some more talent. I mentioned on the offensive line this week, uh, the defensive side of the ball to go with guys like Cam Chandler Jones and, and Buda Baker. But the Cardinals, I think, will improve, and I think they're going to be just really annoying for a lot of teams to play with. And uh, as long as Kyler Murray continues his development 
under Cliff Kingsbury. And actually, the Rams, I had talked about how I thought they had a chance to bounce back, but Wednesday's podcast, Brad, actually talked me out of the Rams' bounce back. <laughs> a little bit worried about golf, a little bit worried about the cap space to improve up front and, and pay a pass rusher and some other things that the Rams need to do. And then there's also, I didn't think about it, but there's the new stadium jinx too. So I think the Rams are, are doomed next year. Not to be a bad football team, but this is such a tough division. I've got the Rams actually finishing fourth now. Well, I'm sure I will hear it from Rams Twitter. I gave the Niners the first place, and then our our Niners host gave us last place and said I talked him out of it. So I'm sure I'll hear my fair share from Rams fans going, what are you doing representing us out there? But those are some some concerns for sure, and it's about the old Bill Belichick. Do your job. If Goff could do his job, if Sean McVay can game plan and do his job, we have the talent. It will be an interesting uh, take here, and I can't wait to reevaluate this as we look as the season goes on, as we get to the draft and we see how pieces come in and out. Uh, But that is great, everyone. Great breakdowns on the NFC West. And coming up, we're going to be looking to the schedule, 2020 schedule. And when you look at the schedule, who do you love on your 2020 schedule? This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League Spring Training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. And I can attest to it going to... Spring training is awesome for any baseball fan. It's just a fun vacation, fun place to get away, great food. You'll rub elbows with baseball people and broadcasters, and it's just a really cool time. 10 stadiums, 15 Major League Baseball teams, 75-degree temperatures, all 10 stadiums in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Meet the players, get autographs before games, check out the upcoming prospects. One of my favorite things to do, go prospecting, find out who the next major league stars are going to be amazing restaurants tons of bars craft breweries outdoor adventures and hiking biking and you can even check off some must-see destinations from your bucket list like the grand canyon bringing the kids along to spring training arizona is a fantastic destination for families horseback rides to games activities wildlife parks science museums aquariums Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. All right, we are back. We've got an awesome week of content. If you guys missed any day, I highly recommend you go back. Uh, We covered each team specifically here on this ultimate crossover series on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Had a great time chatting with all of you guys, so I appreciate your time and coming on and speaking your mind about your team. Well, as we look at our team and we talked about the highs and lows in 2019, we got to move on because it is time to look at that 2020 schedule. Uh, Our NFC West gets the NFC East and the AFC East on their schedule. Uh, We did reverse order last time. Let's do it starting at the top. Brian Peacock, as you look at the at the schedule for you guys next year, and obviously we don't know uh, what day these are going to take place, but you know home and away, when you look at the schedule, who do you love and, and maybe who don't you love? NFC East and AFC East. Let's start with the AFC East, and I think I love the final fall of the New England Patriots. We'll see if Tom Brady is even back there, but uh, I just saw a little bit of the beginnings of the end for the New England Patriots and obviously a 42-year-old Tom Brady. It's going to end at some point. 
And so I just don't think that that division has a team that really scares me. Uh, the Bills are a very good team. I still have questions about their quarterback and Josh Allen, if he's that guy that can really lead them because uh, the schedule is really easy for both the Patriots and Bills last year. And uh, I actually still like Sam Darnold, but the Jets and the Dolphins just have such a long way to go. So I think that's a good pull as far as this division goes and uh, those opponents in the AFC East. And, and when you're looking at the the NFC East, they were one of the worst divisions in football. A 9-7 and seven team is the one that made the playoffs in the Philadelphia Eagles. and They exited very quickly. A new coaching staff in Dallas. Uh, the Washington Redskins are in the middle of a complete rebuild there with a new young quarterback. And the Giants have a new young quarterback. I don't have a lot of confidence in Dave Gettleman and his ability to put a team together. So I think the, the NFC West actually got a, a nice draw as far as their divisional opponents next year. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and um, we'll kick it over to uh, Corbin. Your thoughts, where you guys land on that schedule? Any tough home or aways? Uh, talk to me about what you're thinking about that 2020 schedule. So I, I first off just kind of want to go piggyback off what Brian had said there. That this is one reason why I think that there's going to be three teams that win 10-plus games, the NFC West. You look at the out-of-division games that they're going to be playing the AFC East has typically just been the New England Patriots, and then there's a bunch of a bunch of the weakest teams in the NFL. Obviously, Buffalo made the playoffs this past season. They've got a great defense. If Josh Allen makes another step forward, then that's going to be a very tough team to face. But the Miami Dolphins, they are in total rebuild. They're, they're going to be competitive, more competitive than they were this past year, but they're still going to be one of the lower-level teams in the NFL. And the New York Jets, I just don't trust anything that Adam Gase touches as a head coach. So until they make a change there, I think Darnold's got potential. But I'm just not really scared of any teams in that division. New England will still be decent as long as Belichick is there. I think Tom Brady, when it's all said and done, will be playing quarterback for them next season. But it does feel like they are hitting the end of the line there with that dynasty. And then the NFC East was in shambles last year. A lot of new parts there. We know year-to-year things change. There will be some teams there. Dallas has a ton of talent. If they put it together under Mike McCarthy, that's a team that could win double-digit games next season. They've got the pieces to do it as long as they get their quarterback, Cooper and company, uh, re-signed. But I'm actually looking, you know, games looking forward to next year for the Seahawks. Specifically, there's the chance they may play a game in either London or Mexico City. They had only played one time ever in their franchise history, those two locations, and they wouldn't lose a home game to do that. So they will play either the uh, Miami Dolphins or the Atlanta Falcons, and they'll play internationally. They had a huge pro Seahawks crowd in London two years ago when they played the Raiders. Another great opportunity for what really could turn into a road game that's like a home game in atmosphere. So I love the fact there's a chance they may play overseas and play an international game. Uh, I also love the fact that they get another matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. They've had some really good games against each other over the years. They get to play them at home again. Maybe another Monday night matchup for the third year in a row. And I just think those te- those two teams match up so well with each other. And you want to play good football teams. You, you want to feast on those lower-level divisions. But really excited about the Seahawks getting to face off against them. And a Falcons team that I expect, if they have a good offseason, could bounce back a little bit in the NFC South. Yeah, and I think we all can, you know, I'll triple down on what everyone's been saying about the draw of the NFC East and AFC East. You got to feel pretty good about, especially the way the NFC East was, you know, uh, 
every division that we all wanted to be in basically last year, as you saw them fighting to the very end to make the playoffs. And what I love about it for the Rams is looking at their 2020 home schedule is out of those two East divisions, both AFC and NFC, most of the tougher, quote unquote, tougher opponents uh, we get at home. We're getting Dallas at home. That's been talked about even being uh, you know, a primetime game to open the season up as Jerry Jones put a lot of work into helping get a team out to Los Angeles. So even opening the stadium against Dallas and even looking in recent years, the Rams have had some really good matchups, including a game that they went down to last season and got their butt whipped. And it was really a game that, looking back, might have really ruined uh, their year. You know, a must-needed game, especially Dallas was hurting at that time. But we also get the New England Patriots at home. as the place you don't want to go, especially late in the season and depending if Tom Brady is there or not. Uh, and then you get the New York football giants at home as well. Looking at the road schedule, it's kind of the opposite in a sense of places you don't mind going. You know, the Redskins, even though under new uh, coaching, how are they going to be? They haven't played very well at home. You got the Dolphins, as people had mentioned, they're going to be rebuilding. So you're out in Miami. You don't have to worry about weather there. The one that does stand out uh, that I'm not so much in love with is heading to Buffalo. They are definitely a team that is trending up in that NFC East. And if, again, going back to Tom Brady, who is going to take over that division and how fast can the Patriots move forward there but uh, depending on when we head out to Buffalo you're not going to love that if you're heading late in the season and this is an LA team that uh, playing out here in this warm weather heading out and having to play in Buffalo is not too exciting but overall love the draw that we got and you got to be in love with this schedule it's on in a brand new stadium we've got three great opponents in the NFC West that we'll see twice home and away so uh, overall totally excited about 2020 uh, opponents, how it shakes out. So looking, and I guess that means we'll finish with the Arizona Cardinals thoughts on that 2020 schedule. Yeah, and torn about it because the Arizona Cardinals, are, according to ESPN, are a lock for Mexico City in 2020. So, And that would be as the home team. So they're giving up a game at State Farm Stadium, playing in front of the Red Sea. But then the opportunity for Kyler Murray to be showcased because with those Mexico City games comes primetime. And the Cardinals, they haven't had a whole lot of primetime games outside of Thursday night football. So to kind of showcase your young quarterback and Kyler Murray on the biggest stage you possibly can have for that week in the NFL season is exciting. Are they going to be playing the Seahawks or the Niners or the Dolphins who've been speculated on? That that remains to be seen. I, I always get excited to see you know the the opportunity to go to the Jerry Dome and play the Cowboys, hopefully beat the Cowboys. That's always fun to watch. Or go to New England and take on the Patriots, who have dominated the league for the last two decades. That's always a fun opportunity. And then the, you mentioned the NFC East. I mean, three new coaches. We'll see what these organizations look like. Chase Young is going to be the second pick likely in the NFL draft. You get to see him and have to pre- protect your quarterback from the Ohio State pass rush monster. And then who knows what's going to happen with the Carolina Panthers. Are they going to get a young quarterback? What's Matt Rule's Panthers team going to look like? And then, you know, there's a bunch of young quarterbacks that could potentially be on this schedule already with the Bills and Allen and uh, are the Dolphins going to draft Tua or or somebody in this 2020 draft that remains to be seen that gets me excited uh, the one game I'm just not excited for I, I can't get up for any longer it's it seems like year in and year out it's like the Cardinals non-division rival uh, it's the Detroit Lions I mean, the Lions just do nothing for me. I just I, I am sick of seeing this matchup year in and year out. Last few, last year it got as bad as it possibly could get. It was a tie. We had to kiss our sisters after the season opening tie. Uh, you know, Matt Patricia, Matthew Stafford, potentially if he's coming back from the back injury, uh, but still not a whole lot of um, I don't know, not, not a lot of hype surrounding the Lions these days as it's been the last fifty years. 
Hey, very true. And I love the, the kiss your sister <laughs> remark there. Uh, almost lost it there. But uh, it is. That is a matchup and uh, that going back to last year. And it was early in the season. And that could have been a weird tilt of picking up those wins. And that's going to be something to keep an eye on with the Cardinals as can they win those close games in the development of those young guys out there, not only on the field, but in the coaching staff. So uh, great stuff. And finally coming up, we're going to wrap up this whole uh, podcast of love, this Valentine's Day special, as we take a look at the roster and find out which player you are in love with coming up on this Locked On Ultimate Crossover Series. And it has been a whole podcast of love as we are wrapping up this week-long crossover, the ultimate crossover series here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And uh, as we talked about, you know, what we love as far as the schedule and, and what we love as far as the NFC West. And here we are about what do you love on your own team? And this may be a position group. This may be someone you're very confident about. They will go out and draft or a free agent or just a guy on the roster that you absolutely love and you need year in and year out. Uh, we've kind of started each different direction. So we might as well start with the Seahawks this time. Corbin, talk to me about who you loving on the Seahawks. I got to go with DK Metcalf. How can you not love a six foot four, 230 pound? And, and honestly, I've, I've talked to him in the locker room. He's not six four, 230. It's more like 240. Uh, how would you not love somebody that looks like he was created on Madden Create a Player? Like just creating a super freak that has like 99 speed. And he had 900 receiving yards this year. And he's still so raw. He, he's just turned 22 in December. So. I got to say that he's a player that I love going into the 2020 season. I can't wait to see what he and Russell Wilson do in their second season working together. They already had really good chemistry during his rookie season. As far as draft prospects, if there's a player I would love to see fall to the Seattle Seahawks with their 27th selection and John Schneider actually use it, which the chances of him doing that are like nothing. But anyway, the player I would love to see fall to them is Yitor Gross Matos out of Penn State. I think he's going to go way before 27, especially if he has a good combine. But they need pass rushers. And to me, he's the perfect scheme fit for what they're running defensively. So I would love to see Gross Matos land in Seattle in the draft in April. Brian, coming off that Super Bowl run, I'm sure you got plenty of guys you're loving over there. But talk to us. Who on this roster moving forward are you absolutely in love with? Well, first of all, I've got to say that Looking at our avatars here on this conversation, I love our collection of facial hair, so very strong beard game, gentlemen. Uh, but as far as players on the 49ers roster, George Kittle would get my vote because uh, he's the best player in the entire league in 2019, regardless of position, according to Pro Football Focus grades. And really, he's the poster child for a locker room in San Francisco that is full of genuine players that flat out love to ball. like They have each other's backs, unselfish and are seemingly really good dudes off the field, but are animals between the lines. They have speed. They play with physicality. So uh, George Kittle really embodies all of that. And so he's the guy that I would say that uh, I'm really loving the most on the 49ers roster. Just fun to watch. Fun to watch the way he plays. And then outside of the roster, I kind of have a white whale in A.J. Green, who's a free agent finally and has a chance to leave Cincinnati and I hope for his sake he finally does and having that dynamic weapon outside for Kyle Shanahan's offense is something that I think would be really fun to watch for uh, the 49ers fans out there so AJ Green is the guy I'm looking at outside of the roster and as far as the draft goes man whoever best player available is I'm all about it the 49ers are lucky to be in a position where uh, they don't really have to draft for need hopefully in April this time. 
Love it. Great stuff there. And uh, we will go over to Bo Brock. Talk to us about uh, Arizona Cardinals. Who are you loving? Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously, I mean, it's Kyler Murray, right? Because he gives us new optimism for the future. That's the easy answer. I'm giving him the be mine candy heart, right? Forever. As far as, but I, I, that's the easier answer. Larry Legend, though. Larry Fitzgerald has been doing it for so long. And sometimes it, it's almost even overlooked how incredible he's been to this to this organization, you know, drafting him third overall in 2004 and everything that he's accomplished on and off the field. Walter Payton, man of the year, and I believe 2016. He continues to do it at a high level. Uh, he gives back to the community. Just an incredible person, an incredible player. And I just don't want that to ever be lost because the, the Arizona Cardinals, I don't even know where they would be without number 11 on the field. It got a, a lot of love for Larry Fitzgerald, no doubt about it. As far as what the team could do in the offseason, I talk about how I would love to see them really revamp this defense, but I, I've mentioned the tight end position, and Austin Hooper could be a guy that could hit free agency, and I think that would be a huge addition to this offense, give them another level, another piece that Kyler Murray could find. Uh, you, you know, We've seen George Kittle have the success for the Niners. We saw Travis Kelsey win a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. We've seen uh, you know, Will Disley before his injury. Uh, he was poised for a big year with the Seahawks. Um, the tight end position is big. We saw Lamar Jackson have so much success throwing to his tight ends. I think Austin Hooper would be a huge addition. Uh, that's on my wish list. That's who I'm hoping for. And then the draft, I think the Arizona Cardinals would be, uh, it'd be a big mistake from them not to go defense if they can get their hands on a Jeffrey Okuda a Derek Brown out of Auburn who might be my favorite person to watch on film on YouTube or a guy like Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson his versatility he's a freak athlete any three of those guys would be a huge huge impact player for this Cardinals defense I love it you gotta love Larry Legend he's one of those guys looking across the NFL that I think no matter your team you look at Larry Fitzgerald and you got to have a little bit of love for him, just what you've seen him do over that long period of time and uh, continually be just such a great person. So great one there. Uh, as I look at this, uh, my who do I love is got to be Cooper Cup. We missed him last year as he tore his ACL, uh, had an amazing comeback season this last year. I was shocked to see that he only got one vote in comeback player of the year, but it was a tough crowd. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, who won it, I mean, his comeback was, I guess, playing with the Dolphins last year, potentially was, you know, everyone felt that bad for him. Uh, but he made an incredible season. A lot of people out there were up for the award, but uh, Cooper cup, the only wide receiver in the NFL with 90 catches, 1100 yards and 10 touchdowns, only wide receiver to do it. And that's coming off of an ACL injury. And he had so many highlight real plays. That one that flashes in my head as early in the season versus the new Orleans saints, where he kind of caught, a six, seven yard slant and then ended up taking it to the house. They called him down at the inch line, uh, which kind of hurt my feelings. It would have been 11 touchdowns for him, but the, the effort that you see him give on the field and then just kind of the head down mentality of, of a, just a hard class blue collar worker that always says the right things. He is the outlet uh, for Jared Goff on third downs and a great piece to go with Robert Woods. Uh, both those guys going over a thousand yards receiving uh, last year, which was awesome to see on a bounce back year for Cooper Cup. So I'm absolutely in love with him. And then uh, another guy, maybe not in the draft, but this would be in free agency. And and you mentioned the the be my 
heart uh, you were given out to, I think, Larry Fitzgerald. Mine is, is Don't Leave Me, and this is to Corey Littleton. Don't leave us. Uh, we need you around what he did at the linebacker position, and even looking at Eric Weddle leaving, uh, he was the signal caller for the defense the year before that. It was Corey Littleton. He may look to take on those responsibilities again if he sticks around. The Rams got to find a way to keep him there. He uh, was constantly up in the top five in pro football focus in coverage as a linebacker. He was a tackle monster. He's just that quiet leader. I've almost a few times compared him to maybe not the superstar of Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, but that kind of that calm, quiet leadership ability where he's just going to do it by his play on the field. Uh, you're not going to get those juicy quotes from him afterwards, but uh, those are my two guys I'm absolutely in love with, and we hopefully can keep Corey Littleton around. Uh, guys, appreciate it so much. Can't wait to jump back on with all of you guys later in the season, maybe right before the season starts, and do this again and kind of recap how far we've come in those few months. We've got a lot of awesome stuff. Guys, continue to keep listening to us. I know it is a tough quote-unquote, maybe dead period in the NFL, but not for us. We are still putting up content five days a week. We've got a lot to look forward to with free agency, uh, the combine around the combine around the corner, the draft, so much good football stuff still happening. And hey, XFL just kicked off. I'm sure we'll get a little uh, few thoughts in along the way on what that league is like and how that's going to maybe produce some talent for the NFL. So again, we appreciate it from all of you guys. The ultimate crossover edition is finally over. We appreciate you guys listening. And we will be back very soon with more five days a week. Your team every day only on the Lockdown Podcast Network.